This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, I think we have a fun show in store today. We've got BJ Colleen. We've got Brian Moody from Auto Trader and Kelly Blue Book. We've got, let's see, Carl Brower from iccars.com. We've got George Kennedy. Well, he's kind of a man whore. He goes all over the place. But uh, BJ Colleen is here. BJ, we're going to talk. Oh, man whore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> BJ is going to talk about two T's and an F. Two T's and an F. Clarify Te- that, would you? Tesla, Tesla. To- Toyota, and Fisker. Okay. <laughs> two T's and an F. I love that. Well, you know, last time we chatted, and I think yep. we missed a week in between, but yep. we talked about Fisker's Alaska pickup, and now they come out with the pair. I don't know who names their vehicles, but God, I love them. What do you drive? I drive a pair. You know, you better order it green. That's for sure. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Now, but, so uh, that, hold it before you go any further than okay, that. Okay. Honestly, I like the name Alaska. I like, what is the, they have another one. Uh, the ocean. The ocean. I like that. I think it's a complete fail. <laughs> pair? No, I don't like that. Anyway. But yeah, if it's a you have a pair, do you have two of them? Oh no, it's spelled like the fruit. <laughs> I got a pair. P A R. So what is it? I mean, I couldn't even tell you. Ocean and Alaska. I honestly, yeah, well, you know, have no clue. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to tell, but at least they're not naming them the X twelve ninety five. You know, like all the other car manufacturers are. Yeah. So I, I love the. Oh, I like those. <laughs> I, <laughs> the pair actually is their small little crossover SUV, and so the Ocean's the bigger SUV. The Alaska's the pickup truck, and then the pair is the little one that they're introducing. Actually, they're going to build it in the U.S. in collaboration with Foxconn at a factory in Ohio. And it's going to be about twenty nine nine before incentives. An electric vehicle, obviously, but uh. that's actually a decent price, you know. But uh, it will feature seating for five to six people. Range is anywhere from one hundred and three twenty, depending on the battery size. But it's you know typical Fisker. They've got some really cool features. Well, you know, we have the fruit. We talked about the fruit last time. The front boot, not the front. <laughs> but they're going to offer with an insulation option. To keep the food hot or cold inside the front. So you would love this, Alan. You could drive around. You could stop and have a hot picnic or a cold picnic oh. just by opening up the fruit. Oh, that is just. <laughs> so there's a car called a pear that has a fruit. Right. Fr- a front boot. <laughs> a fr- That's right. So, so there's the a car that is a fruit, fruit. that is this named after a fruit. That, has that, a fruit. Ha- that <laughs> Honestly, you can't make this crap up. Honestly, no, you can't. By the I way, agree. by the way, talking about so Fisker is an electric car company, and yes, they actually, are. they're yeah. electric auto manufacturer because they have cars and trucks and SUVs. Yes, they are part of the. There's a survey that Kelly Blue Book did. Brian Moody's going to come on after you at the bottom of the hour. He's got a survey about what people think about electric cars. I have a question. What do you think people think about electric cars? Do you think that it is more positive or more negative about electric cars? What do you, and we'll find out from Brian. Well, I, I'm curious to hear what he has to say, too. But I think people are more positive about that. Oh. But that doesn't mean they're going to buy them. 
Yes, I, I think they're well, becoming more mainstream. But, okay, okay, you know. okay, fair enough. So, in other words, positive because of the impact, supposed impact that an electric car has on the ecosystem of the world, you might say. So then that comes in. I could get somebody like, uh, oh, I don't know, Lauren Fix, who loves to go deep into what does it take to get lithium for the lithium batteries and where does it come from and the total impact of electric vehicles and all that. So there's this perceived better impact on not just the economy, but the ecology of the world. I think it's a perceived... I believe that more people, and we'll find out from Brian, are more negative about electric cars because they aren't simply buying them. If you know what I'm saying, they're just not. There's more electric cars available. Somebody, Carl or somebody did a study on um, how many electric cars are sitting on car lots that are unsold inventory. So I just think people are not as positive as they as we are being led to believe by media sources, if I can say it like I, that. I think there's more than just the fact that, you know, if the car is expensive, it's also where you're going to charge it. So well, I think there's a lot more infrastructure problems behind it. I think they like them in general. I just don't think, well, and I think people hate being forced into it. Too, well, that, really there's funny, another so. bit piece of this puzzle. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Puzzle. All right. So we've talked about the Alaska truck, the ocean SUV and the pair from Fisker. I don't know. Big question mark for me. We'll be right back and find out about more. The two T's now. Don't be nasty. Tesla and Toyota. We'll be right back. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, it is The Drive. I'm Alan Taylor. BJ Colleen joining us. And thanks to our sponsor, Subaru. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And uh, I've been around the world. And so has BJ Colleen. Uh, we've seen a million cars. That's not what that person said. But uh, but I've never seen a car called a pair. And uh, BJ's got one last thing or two last things to say about this Fisker pair. Yeah, that's the name of it. What do you got? The pair. The pair. A pair is going to have something called a lounge mode. <laughs> and that's where all the seats fold flat, including the rear seat, oh. that folds backward into the trunk. Yeah. And it creates a lounge space for watching a movie or resting. Oh and it's going to come with an optional 17-inch rotating screen for the entertainment. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, so I, I want to tell you. We're getting away from driving cars. Yeah. It's more about what we're going to be doing in them. This is so. so funny because when I was a teenager, and I think I was 18, I'm going to say 18, 
maybe 19. I can't remember the exact year, but I'm going to say 18. I was pretty early on. I had the ugliest car in the world. I had a 54 Nash that was a mile long and the front seats and the back seats would lay down and make a giant bed. So I'm giving away a little bit here on my youth. I took a date to the movie, the drive-in movie, and we fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Honest to God, fell asleep. And at about midnight when I was supposed to be home, buy 11 or get whooped. And my dad was the hammer. About midnight, I woke up and went, I looked up and the cars were all leaving. And there was like only maybe two or three. And I'm thinking, what, what's happening? What's going on here? What? I had actually, it was a, a double movie thing. And you could, the first movie was, you know, like uh, over at like 1030. And then you could stay for the second movie if you wanted to. This was 1978, just to give you an example. Anyway... We had slept through the entire second movie, and it was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get in so much trouble. I mean, I, I didn't even put the seats up. I just started that ugly old Nash, and I drove out of there like a maniac. <laughs> and, oh, I got in such trouble. I got grounded for like a month anyway. So well, this, we this, didn't need these seats because I grew up with guys who had vans. <laughs> so, you know, they tricked out their vans with all these things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where you, that's where you kind of hung out and watched the movie from the back of the, oh, of the dove van. Oh, the love <laughs> machine. Anyway. All right. So, uh, okay. The pair anyway. I, yeah, I, I don't know about this pair, but anyway, what else <laughs> we'll you got? <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Toyota okay. because you sent me the article. And I thought oh, it was yeah. kind of cool. It yeah. was a couple days ago, midweek, where Toyota actually suspended production at 14 of their domestic assembly plants yeah, in Japan. There was a system failure yeah. that stopped Toyota from ordering parts. So now they're back up again, which is nice. But, you know, anything like that happens, their stock takes a hit. So they were down like almost three bucks right away, but it's coming back now. But that plant makes up a third of Toyota's world output. Ooh. So luckily, they got it back up and running really quickly. But everybody said, well, is it a cyber attack? And they're saying, no, it was just some glitch in the system. So nothing you know, drastic. You, you know what? They they, they're not going to. We will never know what it really was. And it probably was some sort of a cyber attack or something, you know. Who knows? Russia Gate. Anyway, Russia. Uh, you know, honestly, it's you just don't know anymore because they can tell us whatever the heck it is. I'm pretty sure. Well, no, I'm not. I don't really believe in aliens. But if there were aliens and they had dead alien bodies, would the government actually show us? Because I've seen a lot of them on, uh, you know, on uh, YouTube, dead alien bodies, you know. So I'm, yeah, um, <laughs> but would the government actually tell you? tell you? Would the Toyota dealer, would the Ford dealer, actually tell you the truth, or would they just give you? Oh, it was nothing, just a little glitch, you know? Well, because they got to protect the stockholders. That's it's, it's a money. That's right. So what you're saying is, when you get your new Toyota, check for alien blood or alien things <laughs> in the vehicle before take the, you drive it off. Well, yeah. at least take the blue light to more things in the back seat. You know what I mean? <laughs> Officer, there's an alien in my car. <laughs> Check the frunk. No, I said the frunk, the not the trunk. The fruit. Yeah, the, the boot. The fruit. The... Check the fruit. There's an alien in my fruit. 
As opposed to a fruit and you're alien. Okay. This, this conversation is completely off the rails. You know, when I go across I, the bug inspection station, uh-huh. you know, different states have a bug inspection station. I'm like, what do you guys expect the bugs? Go look at the front of my car. They're all over the front of my car. What am I supposed to do? Wash the car? No. So I go it's through. not bugs. I know. They say, do you have any fruits or vegetables? You know what I say? Yeah. Only the person sitting next to me that's a human vegetable. What should I do? Uh, you know, sometimes they laugh. Sometimes they say, all right, you can go. Human vegetable. BJ Colleen is with me. Another human vegetable. We'll be right back. <laughs> This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182-horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged Crosstrek Wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. BJ and I in the commercial breaks uh, always laugh and joke and talk. And she said, if I don't get any letters, complaints now after that last one, the human vegetable. I said, I've never gotten a letter or a complaint except once. When uh, 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 when I used to work uh, more with my friend Barry McGuire, who's a very Christian man, a very church-going guy, and one of his church friends was listening to the show that he was on, and I was talking about a uh, cabin air filter. The cabin air filter, by the way, is changeable, you guys. I don't know if you know this or not. This is something we should talk about, because if your car has caratosis, like halitosis, bad breath, and it's breathing this bad breath through the ventilation system, you can change the cabin air filter, which a lot of people don't know. And if that thing's 10 years old, it's full of yuck. And so affectionately in the shop, that is called the cabin fart filter and uh, the cabin air filter. It's, you got to change the fart filter in there. And I, that was the one complaint I ever got out of all the shenanigans we ever do, BJ, on this show. So <laughs> it's funny. So the bar is set. The bar is set. Don't talk about farts okay. on the show, evidently, even though it's everybody okay, does it. To raise the bar. Oops, so I, I just did one just for fun, just right there. So. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Wait, you just farted? Yeah, I, I did. Right. Okay. Okay. Great. What are we talking about? Speaking We're talking about farts. Tesla. <laughs> Speaking of farts, let's talk about Tesla. Okay. Because, you know, I don't know why you and I take such perverse joy in making fun of that man and his company. It's just unbelievable. Well, it's but. just the car company part because I like what he's doing over at X, what used to be Twitter. But anyway. Well, sometimes. <laughs> who, knows? who knows what that man's doing? I just can't I, keep track of him, but... Tesla, I mean, I when I come back in my next life, I want to be a lawyer for Tesla yeah. because I will be the richest human being on the planet because those people, Tesla is constantly being sued. Right now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, how Reuters said that Tesla has been exaggerating the potential driving distance of the vehicles. Oh, yeah. Well, now federal prosecutors are looking into these probes. So it's Uh-oh. not just somebody saying, hey, there's something wrong. They're looking at it. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan is looking at it. I mean, everybody's just looking at it. So on top of that, now they're talking about Tesla's maybe using company funds on a secret project called Project 42, 
which they think it's supposed to be used for something, and he was actually using the money to build a house for himself. <laughs> so it's just it just gets worse and worse for this oh, guy. I, I don't know how he's still standing. So oh, um, I think when the fight happens between him and uh, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook or Meta or whatever they're calling it, I think this is going to help finish off Tesla. Either that or he's just been punched so much he's built up a resistance Honestly, to being beaten I, up. I just cannot imagine that that's actually going to happen, that fight between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. I mean, is it? Is I'm it, sure somebody's working on it, but I don't know. It hasn't been official yet. <laughs> it yeah. just reminds me, didn't there used to be a, like, I don't know whether it was a cartoon or something, and it's, I never watched it, but I know there was some sort of a celebrity grudge match thing where they would kill each other, but it was... Oh, it, yeah. It was... Uh, celebrity like, death match. Death match. It was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> That's uh, what this it is. was all animation. It wasn't yeah, real. Right, you know, but, right. Oh, yeah, they would lop off heads and arms. There'd be blood everywhere. It was oh. one of the most popular shows. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, and I, I was one talking... My favorite. I was talking to Carl Brower, who's going to be on in the next hour, and he's got a study from iccars.com that he's talking about the slowest and fastest selling new and used cars. And right. in there, he was talking about how Tesla was within that group of the fastest and slowest. So it's like, oh, well, that's going to be interesting. That's an hour two, by the way. I was going to talk about that, but I figured he would be on to talk about it. And it was his study, so I'll let it come from the horses. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I, I just think it's yeah, funny yeah. that, you know, but uh, the one to me that is still the most hilarious thing is what happened with Jim Farley, the president of Ford, with driving his, I think he must have been, was he at Pebble Beach when he was driving the uh, Lightning, F-150 Lightning electric truck and yes. had some sort yes. of a debacle of getting it charged and how long it took and how long he had to wait in line and all these different things. That kind of stuff, I got to tell you, is important. Our leaders need some humiliation every now and then to make them come back to earth and deal with reality. I yep. remember when we the president see. of uh, General Motors, Mark Royce, was driving the pace car, the new Corvette pace car for a race, and he, yes. he spun out and crashed and hit the wall while he was yeah. starting the race. It's like, you know what? Honestly, that might have been the best thing that happened to the guy because he he, he got humbled. And yep. then, you know, adversity, yep. you know... Listen, I have a thing in my office at home, and it says, never fear the winds of adversity. Remember, a kite rises against the wind rather than with it. Adversity is good for us. And so for these folks, when they have something like this that happened, like with Jim Farley with the electric truck and, and uh, Royce with the crashing on the race, that actually could make the company a better company because otherwise you I have so. the elitists at the top. And I don't think either one of those guys are elitist type. But when you're making a giant paycheck and you're ruling over a big car company, you can make mistakes. And you know what? It's always the, um, the little guy in the back that's going, no, this is a bad idea. Oh, you shut him up. Take him out the back door. Get rid of him. You know? Well, but, you know, when I understand. I want to give Tesla a little bit of positive news. They're actually trying to create a drive-in movie theater and diner location with 32 supercharging stalls oh. and two movie screens. So <laughs> if you do have a Tesla, you pull in. That's in L.A., of course, in West Hollywood. That's funny. Now, that's an idea. Yeah, All right, BJ. Happens, Thank you for the uh, fun update. Coming up hey, next, Alan. yes, Brian Moody going to talk about their study, survey about electric cars and... Oh, used car prices. 
are uh, used car prices are down and inventory's up. We'll be right back. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Oh, knock it off. I'm not that much of an expert. <laughs> By the way, I told Brian Moody, who's on right now with us from Auto Trader and KBB, uh, you can't use this song when you're talking to a lady on the radio because she's got legs from ZZ Top. But Brian, Brian, you have some pretty nice legs, I will say. Yeah. Well. Yeah. See? Gosh. <laughs> gosh. <laughs> How you been, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I got pretty good legs myself, by the way. But uh, I know you guys <laughs> Why have. Why they work? That's my main thing. Do they work? And I can walk around oh. freely? Done. That's as far as I go. I've got some myocrangitis or whatever it's called on one of my feet. So, yeah, my legs are working, but my foot's kind of sore. I'm not sure the exact mm. name of that. Yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. But listen, I could still walk, so I'm not going to complain. I was sad when I had no shoes till I saw a man that had no feet. That's the old saying. Anyway, there you go. Okay, so you have got a couple of studies, and th these are always good because this is helpful for people when shopping for cars. What have you there from Kelly Blue Book? Or no, from well, Auto Trader. First, yes. those, yeah, people who are looking for a used car, maybe there's a little bit of good news. So okay. used car inventory is at a high point for the year. So that means that there are more used cars available right now than there have been for the whole rest of the year. The total supply of unsold used cars on dealers' lots, and that means either franchise or independent used car dealers, is about 2.25 million. And that was at the end of that was at the end of July. So that's pretty good. Wow. We thought it was going to be more than more like 2.21, but it's up, so you know, we revised it up. And there seems to be, this is the crazy thing, there seems to be quite strong demand for used cars. Oh, so yeah. Usually when you have high demand, the prices go up. But in this case, the prices are not going up. They're down actually about 4%. So that's not, you know, that's not record breaking or anything like that. But that does, you know, let's just say that the average used vehicle listing price at the end of July was lower 
than when the month started. Mm. And that was down 4.1%. So within that time period, the prices went down slightly. So they're probably at a relatively low price right now. And the reason for that is, is that at the beginning of summer, the wholesale prices for used cars was low. And so it took a while before the retail prices catch up. Now what we're seeing today, so if you're going to buy a used car, especially if you're going to get one from a dealer, you might want to do that pretty soon because we're seeing higher wholesale prices, which means pretty soon as those dealers run through the auction, run through the process, run through, you know, the service department and, you know, the detailing and being prepped and transported pretty soon, a few months from now, we're going to see probably a slight uptick in used car prices. So might be worth looking into if you're going to get a used car, might want to look into it now because the prices are down slightly. And of those vehicles that I just said, the 2.2 million unsold vehicles, the average listing price is about $27,000 and the average mileage is just under 70,000 miles. So what I noticed from that is that like the mileage is getting higher on some of these cars, even though the price has gone down. So depending on what kind of car you get, 70,000 miles, 69,000 miles, whatever you want to call it, might not be that much, but we are noticing that, you know, average mileage on used cars is kind of up a little. So I guess that's just advice. The best advice is do one of those vehicle history reports. Okay. You can do Carfax or auto check or something like that. But right, right. most cars at 70,000 miles just will have a lot of life left in them. So let me ask you, take your auto trader and your Kelly Blue Book hat off for a moment and think of, you know, just as the car guys that you and I are, mm-hmm. um, what do you attribute this, all of what's going on to, you know, the used car inventory up? Well, people are just not spending as much money, if I could just say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to buy the gas station this morning and I just kind of went... You know, I went gulp. I was I was drinking my last bit of coffee there, and I was like, five dollars a gallon, and there was it was five oh two, five twelve, five thirty nine, and diesel was five forty nine, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and I live in the Pacific Northwest, so right. everything is taking up more of our money, and I think. I think maybe people are just having to hang tight. My son just texted me. He was going to sell his house. He just said, I just delisted my house because I don't think I can replace it right now if I do sell it. You know, so interest rates are up. Do you think all of this is having an effect on what you're just talking about, how used inventory is up now? People just don't have the money to spend. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of it. But also remember, this happens all the time. A year ago, we were talking about low inventory. Right. So- you know, the dealers and manufacturers of new cars seek to remedy that. Yeah. And so then when we look at and we see stories in the headlines like, oh, there's an abundance of electric cars unsold. Well, yeah, partly because the manufacturers and the dealers went seeking out new and used cars to stock their inventory with because there was so little that consumers were having the opposite problem, which was there's nothing to pick from and the prices are high. Yeah. So now we see that there's a lot to pick from. And the prices are not, I wouldn't say low, but they're trending downward right now. And with new cars, there are actually incentives available. So I think if you're in the market to get one, now might be a time to do it. I don't know if interest rates favor that, though. This would definitely favor cash buyers. Right, right. 
It's uh, inventory for used vehicles is up and prices are down. And I think, yeah, you know, slightly. I would say I've been watching because, you know, listen, me and Auto Trader, we go back a long way, like 30 years. And that was how I did my market research using Kelly Blue Book to find the values and then finding what people are asking for their vehicles. And if I could find somebody that was perhaps not asking enough for their vehicle and there was a little room, because I was a car dealer for, gosh, I don't know, let me think about that, 10 years? Right. I would find inventory for my car lot from, you know, people just trying to sell their cars. And I would call them up and I go, what's wrong with this car? I always used to joke around with people. What's wrong with yeah. this car? Why is it so cheap? Oh, I just want to get rid of it. I bought a new one. You know, people will tell you sometimes if you ask them. About yeah, it, that's true. They really will. They actually don't mind being honest with you. Well, you know, yeah. this, that, and the other. And it's always funny yeah. when you see the the ads where it, it lists all the things that are wrong. There's a scratch next to the tail light. Yeah. It's got a little yeah. tear in the upholstery. And boy, I tell you what, that that actually is enticing to think that person is that honest. So you're not buying a pig in a poke. You're just yeah, buying a pig. I agree. <laughs> I know I'm buying a pig because you told me it was a pig. All right. We'll take a break. Brian Moody is with Auto Trader. He's the executive editor, autotrader.com. Also, he works with KBB, all under the same umbrella. Uh, when we come back, uh, they did a survey about electric cars. Everyone wants to know yep. about that. We'll be right back. Stay with us, Brian. word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Well, you're listening to The Drive all across America. I'm Alan Taylor. My buddy Brian Moody's on the line, executive editor at Auto Trader. And uh, he also, because it's all under the same umbrella, works with KBB, Kelly Blue Book, the Bible of the automotive industry values. Uh, Brian, I know you guys have done a study, and this study is from where? Auto Trader or KBB? This is a Kelly Blue Book study. Okay. Uh, it was put together by this company called Atomic Research, they helped us do it. We surveyed about 2,000 people, okay. and we asked them questions about their attitudes toward electric cars and hybrids and that kind of thing. And the answers are interesting. For example, there's some misconceptions about electric cars. I'm not I'm not necessarily pro-electric car or against electric cars, but, you know, if you're going to buy one, you should know what you're getting. Yeah. One of the interesting pieces that came from this was that the majority of respondents felt like the average range for an electric car was about 200 miles. Well, that's, that's not true. So they're misinformed. Mm. And the older generation up to baby boomers, they actually, the older you get, the more informed they are. They knew more that the cars would have more like a 250-mile range, mm. according to the people surveyed in this. So I thought that was interesting. 
two in five consumers say cold weather can impact the performance of an electric car. Yeah. And that was a concern of theirs. Well, it's the truth. Wait a minute. It's the truth, right? I mean, just. Yeah, it is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but what I'm saying is two in five means that they're well-informed. Like they they say cold weather can impact the performance of your electric car. Yeah, they're well-informed. So they know that that's true. And more than half the consumers in the Midwest said that they're worried about the cold weather impacting their car. Right. And so along those lines, 67% said that they think buying an electric car would require a moderate or major change in their lifestyle. Wow. And about the same number, 66% said that they were worried that an electric car will limit where they can travel on vacation. Yes. Interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to insert this while we're talking about it, I was driving on the freeway and I saw a motorhome towing a car and it was towing the car on a trailer backwards. Uh-huh. And I went, huh, well, that's odd because normally you tow the car, yeah. you know, engine forward. And I, as I got closer, it was towing a Mustang Mach-E, so the electric oh, yeah. version. And I thought, well, okay, so even towing an electric car, you got to know where the weight is. So evidently the weight is towards the back of the car. Must be the battery weight. They are heavier than yeah. normal right. gasoline powered cars. I know right. that. Right. So you have to have, you know, so, a more robust trailer too. Yeah. 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 Anyway, yeah. just another Now thing listen to this. Bad. This is yeah. one I felt like this was really interesting. Sixty three percent of the people we surveyed said that they felt a hybrid is a better fit for their needs. Yeah. I would agree. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think people are starting to realize, because all it takes, it's kind of like a, a bit of a virus. My daughter has a plug-in hybrid Chrysler Pacifica and loves it. Yeah. She does not stop talking about it. And whenever she comes to my house, literally the first thing she does, pulls up in front of the garage, opens the garage, plugs her car in. Even if she's only there for an hour, she wants that free energy, you know. But they have told all their friends how much they love. Now, it isn't the vehicle. They love their vehicle. It's the fact that it's a plug-in hybrid vehicle. She doesn't brag about, I love my Pacifica. She says, I love my plug-in hybrid. So that, after a while, starts Those to... do in, work well. Yes, they do. And it starts to affect the way people think. Because they, when they're going to go buy a new car, they call up and they go, Hey, Rebecca... What kind of a car do you have again? And tell me, do you still love it? These are influencers. And my daughter's like 30 uh-huh. years old. So she's mother of three. She is one of the people that are really influencing a lot of people. So this virus is now spreading. To your point, 63%, you said, feel that hybrids are better. Yeah. yeah. Plug in, yeah. plug in hybrid even better than that. So, because there, yeah. there are some. And that, when it yeah. comes to. Fully electric car, 71% that they were concerned about how long it takes to charge and about 56%. So let's say roughly half said that receiving tax credits is important to buying an electric car. And yet 58% said they don't know how it works. So that's a problem right there. Yes, it is. I feel like the funny thing that happened with Jim Farley, the president of Ford Motor Company, with his lightning truck the other day, I don't know, it was a week or so ago now, he had some, you know, issues with charging the truck and how long it took, and it was all over the news. 
And uh, right. the only thing that saved his butt, I think, from being all over the news even more was they came out with that new Mustang GTD, whatever, you know, yeah. uh, crazy race car that's 300000 Well, bucks. that may have been planned as well. <laughs> well, I, I just think it's hilarious that the president of Ford is in the news dealing with difficulties with their vehicle. Uh, anyway, we'll talk. Uh, commercial break going to run me over. Uh, we're talking with Brian Moody. You can find this at kbb.com. It is the study about uh, the survey about what people feel about electric cars. Uh, it is The Drive. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Dodge Domestic, not domesticated. Thanks to Dodge, Subaru, and others for sponsoring the show so we can get on here and talk about cars. Me and my buddies like Brian Moody, executive editor of Auto Trader and Kelly Blue Book. And we're talking about a survey about electric cars. An important topic because... So many people feel like, you know, why are they doing this? Why are they getting rid of internal combustion engines like this? This is crazy. I don't want an electric car. And I right. mean, that's kind of the consensus I think you're finding. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, I'm open to the idea. A large percentage of people that we surveyed said that they did want their vehicle, that the next one they bought, to be, you know, to have less of a negative impact on the environment. So clean air and all that kind of stuff. Of course, we all want that. There's nothing... But that doesn't mean that electric cars are the only way to do that. Hybrids will do that. Plug-in hybrids will do that. So there's a lot of ways to, you know, to get around that. But then at the same time, the reason the survey is significant is because people are admitting that, you know, listen, I know I, I see that it's on TV and, I, and the headlines and all that, but I don't know if it's right for me. 62% of the people we surveyed said they didn't even know what questions to ask when buying a new or used EV. So that's a problem. I mean, that means that people aren't familiar, and that's why the big number, almost, what, more than 60% say they think a hybrid is better for them. Well, if you get a hybrid, not a plug-in hybrid, but just a hybrid, all you do is gas it up. And remember, a hybrid gets better fuel economy. Better fuel economy means less gas is being burned. Higher MPG means less fuel being burned. So today, it's possible to get a hybrid that would get 40, 50, 60 miles per gallon 
that's not impossible, on a plug-in hybrid that would get the equivalent of 80, 90, or even 100 miles per gallon, or they call it MPGE. Right. Well, that's pretty significant. I think we should be talking about that. It seems like sometimes hybrids are left out of the conversation. And recently, thankfully, we have companies like Ford saying, hey, listen, we think hybrids are a better fit for where we are now, and we might pump the brakes on our electric vehicle program because the sales are starting to plateau a little bit. Doesn't mean they're going down. Doesn't mean no one wants one. It just means that, you know, we're running out of early adopters. And now regular folks are like, ah, yeah, I don't know. I don't really want the newest thing if I can't quickly and easily charge it up. You've heard these numbers, I'm sure. 30 to 40 minutes to charge up from 10% to 80%. I don't know who charges up to 80%. That's a stupid number, but whatever. You have grandkids, right? Yeah, five of them now. Okay. How do you like this? Let's go sit at a charging station for 40 minutes with a toddler. <laughs> yeah. Ain't that, gonna. That's, I'm sure that might be a, an approved torture method. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Come the on, other thing is 40 you, minutes. That's not nothing. Let's, don't be so capricious with my time. You, you can't get a splash of electricity either. I mean, I can go in and get five bucks worth of fuel and continue on. And it takes three yeah. minutes. You know, there's nothing you can do with an electric car that takes three minutes. The other thing is that people should be aware there are plug-in hybrid vehicles where you can plug them into your house or your friend's house or anywhere you want. Yeah. And there are ones that are hybrids that are not plug-in. So make sure that you know that that you have to ask because you may just automatically assume, oh, you plug this car in. No, there are two different kinds. Anyway. Yes, exactly right. So in let's just say in Toyota language, for example, a Prius Prime is a plug-in hybrid. A RAV4 Prime is a plug-in hybrid. If it's just a Prius... You just you put gas in it and you go, and right. it gets great gas mileage, and it's a great car to. Right. It's a little use extra money, a little extra money to get. And those plug cars in. get, yeah, those cars get really good gas mileage. Right. I think that when we have this all or nothing conversation about electric cars, a lot of people are thinking, oh, all these gasoline power cars out there getting like eight to nine miles per gallon. No, 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 no. Gasoline powered cars today are getting far better than they ever did in hybrids. It wouldn't be impossible to see 100 miles per gallon in the next 20 years out of a hybrid. Right. Uh, and it's funny because I guess the difference between a plug-in hybrid and just a regular old hybrid is the um, the dollars. Because you pay a little extra because yeah. you're opting yeah. for the extra equipment to be able to have a yeah. plug-in capability. The battery is expensive, but you're also using less gas over a long period of time. So right, right. There it's kind are. of up to you. Which, but There's also ideological reasons, but... I think if you just look at dollars and cents, hybrids make the most sense. Yep, yep, yep. This study is then at kbb.com, Kelly Blue Book, kbb.com. It is the study, the survey, I should say, about uh, how people feel about electric cars. You can look for it there. Are you still driving that Saab, brother? I am. I just drove it this morning. It's a great car. (laughs) I had to repair the front air dam. There's a little lower, it's an arrow, which means it's the high performance one with the spoiler and stuff. I ran into a parking stone and it crunched it so bad I had oh. to take it off, repaint it, and put it back on. But now it's back on the road. God bless you. That's Brian Moody, everybody, a true car guy. We'll be right back with more. This is The Drive. Another hour to go. This message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 
182 horsepower Subaru Boxer engine and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged cross-trek wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And George Kennedy III is driving a Crosstrek, but the Sport Edition. Let's find out the difference here. George Kennedy is co-founder of CarTender.com. He's vice president of the New England Motor Press Association, and he contributes to U.S. News & World Report, Car Gurus, Forbes Wheels, and right here on The Drive. So our show is brought to you by the Subaru 2024 Crosstrek Wilderness, George. What is the difference between the Crosstrek Wilderness and the Crosstrek Sport that you are actually test driving today? So within the Subaru lineup, the Wilderness is always going to be the standout. If you're comparing it to, say, like the Jeep Wrangler, right. you know, the Rubicon is the top tier, yes. a little more ground clearance, a little more gear. That's what the Wilderness is okay. for various Subaru products. And, you know, the same goes for the Crosstrek. The Sport model is a mid-tier trim that has some of the visual upgrades, some visual flair compared to the rest of the lineup. And then it also has the upgraded engine. So it's ah. 182 horsepower, 2.5 liter boxer engine. Right. I think the base engine is 163 horsepower. While the Subaru Crosstrek itself is completely redesigned for the 2024 model year, the drivetrains, the engine options are carried over from 2023. Okay. So you get all that. <laughs> uh, that was really fast. So I remember when, if you were approaching 200 horsepower in a four cylinder car, you had something that was just a wild machine. Now, 182 horsepower and that boxer engine, which is a fantastic engine. Anyway, so 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Sport. Give us your, uh, your 10 cents worth. So, you know, Alan, what's funny is that. You know, when I when people hear what we do, what I do right. uh, in terms of reviewing cars, they ask, "What's the best car out there?" And, right. and that's always right. just, such a silly question. To do to what? Like, I, right? Yeah, I'm like, I've got about five qualifying questions exactly. for you. Right? What nobody ever asks me, and which I wish people would more, is, "What would you drive if you needed something right now?" And to be honest, every time I get into an Outback or a Crosstrek, I go. This. I could drive this. I've got yeah. mountain bikes. I've got kayaks. I have a sailboat that it needs gear in the back. This has rubberized floors. It has 8.7 inches of ground clearance. It has what I need to do what I want to do on the weekend and then get you where you need during the week. Right. So I'm looking at the uh, notes for the 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. You said the one you're driving has 8.7 inches, and the Wilderness package bumps that up to 9.3 inches. 9.3. The funny yeah. thing and is, if you go outside to your truck, guys, and you measure the lowest point, because that's your ground clearance, you're going to go, oh, geez. <laughs> I'm not 9.3 inches, unless you have some sort of a crazy lift kit with giant wheels and tires. I love the way that these sit, too. You know, I'm a tall guy, but I don't need... 
you know, yeah, a Tahoe is nice. I would love a Tahoe, but I like the idea where you can kind of sit up a little bit without it being a sort of a truck based or more brawnier SUV. They also, you know, handle pretty well. And that's sort of knowing that they're going to go off, you know, off the beaten path with the standard all wheel drive and, and the 8.7 inches to 9.3 inches of ground clearance. There's an understanding they're going to use these off the beaten path. Well, they handled pretty well on, on roads too. And that's, you know, part of that's a symmetrical all wheel drive and the tuning of the sport model and the cross track more broadly, I think is great. I, I think they handle great for new England roads. I think they handle great year round. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's, if you want a sports sedan, go get a sports sedan above. But if you want something that's that's going to be you know great to drive and sort of gets the job done day in and day out, I mean these are great cars for that. You know, back in about uh, oh gosh, a, let's say a decade ago, maybe fifteen years, Subaru invited me to go on a off road rally racing school in the Subarus. I learned so much about the capabilities of these cars by going to a rally racing school that I, I it's like once you do this and you realize the capability of an all-wheel drive car especially with symmetrical all-wheel drive which is a little different than if you say your tahoe has all-wheel drive it's quite a bit different but right. anyway you, and listen with a tahoe or any of these big you know an explorer or any of these bigger bodied machines you can probably power your way through some messes but you cannot go through the weather that you're going to have in a daily basis in inclement weather in New England, like you where you live or in the mountains of Colorado, the way these vehicles do. It's no wonder that way back when the U.S. Olympic ski team used Subarus because they could just get them where they needed to go. Listen, they're going to ski. It's going to be bad weather. And uh, I think it was a brilliant marketing plan uh, on Subaru's part to partner with the uh, U.S. Olympic ski team. All right, we're going to take a break. More of George. George, you know, you're beautiful. You know that, right? Don't go anywhere, everybody. <laughs> Great. <laughs> That's what the guy's about to say. Anyway, <laughs> it's the drive. Stay with us. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's beautiful. All right. My life is brilliant. My love is pure. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Well, uh, I will tell you that uh, George Kennedy's on the line, and he asked me not to tell the world that he's beautiful. George, come on, man. When you got chops like that, just take it, all right? 
<laughs> All right. No comment, man. Uh, so our show is brought to you part by Subaru, but George is not sponsored by Subaru. My show is George is actually test driving a car right now, so it's nice to hear. And I find this often, not only with you, but all these people that we, you know, we, we run in kind of a gang, uh, different magazines, different uh, websites, you know, Forbes, and uh, you have here, what, U.S. News and World Report, car gurus, car guys, car gals, even Lauren Fix, BJ, all these guys. You know, every so often, you know, you come to a consensus where you all agree, these guys make good stuff. We do that with Subaru. We do it with Toyota. We do it with a lot of automakers, but not all of them make all good stuff. And I'm not saying that, you know, there is any of them that actually do because that's our job is to really pick the bones of these things, get to the, to the, to the, you know, to the bone marrow. And that's what you're doing by test driving this car. Have you had it off-road at all? I mean, it's like kind of nice weather to go off-roading. I don't know. So I, I took some photos in the woods near me and there are some kind of light dirt trails in the state park nearby. This has dual mode x mode which is a drive mode setting you know you can do dirt snow deep snow mud stuff like that and, and what that does is that tweaks the traction control right. for those slippery conditions so the one thing i will say is that the x mode toggles are, are in the touch screen i, I kind of would prefer just to be a little quick little button mm. in the center console but this does come with a very large touch screen and i think they you know super wants to make the most out of all that real estate Okay, we're talking about the 2024 Crosstrek Sport. There's also a Wilderness. There's, I think, two or three trim levels. When you're talking about these different modes, it's so funny because when a person buys a car, a lot of times they want everything to be intuitive and they want to just get in it. So my wife gets in a car the other day and she pushes a button to start it. And we then are going to go out to our ranch and um, I said, well, put it in four-wheel drive. And she goes, put it in four-wheel drive? I thought it's in four-wheel drive. I said, well, it's, <laughs> yeah, it is, but you, you need to put it in mud because we're going to go through mud. You know, and it was so funny because that aha moment of you can actually select the ground that you're going to be driving over, whether it's snow or mud or ice. You can select, and then the vehicle will act differently, go into different modes, and it'll act differently so that you get through it safely. But the problem is that people don't take the time to learn these things. That's why it's important for all of us when you buy a car that has all these different modes, read about it, study it, give it a try. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of that, I would say, comes to ask the staff at the dealership. Like, if you're going to buy this car, you don't need to know every sub-menu, every subsystem when you're still testing it out. But if you are going to buy this car, if you've signed on the dotted line, you know, of course, a car salesman wants to sell you the car and then move on and sell the next one. It is incumbent upon the salesperson to teach you right. these different features. So True. you need to go ask them, how do I pair my phone? How do I use this system? How do I use that system? Go on the, the manufacturer's website and look at all these different features for the car that you're going to get. And if there's a, a feature there that you don't know what it means called dual mode X mode, don't be afraid to ask because a lot of the automakers have their own unique names for what we might commonly right. be like, oh, it's a drive mode system. Right, 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 right. So don't be afraid to ask. I think there's a lot of fear of like, you know, it, I'm not a car person, quote unquote, so I don't, I'm just not even going to bother. I think we got to get rid of that stigma. I think these are consumer products like your refrigerator. And if you didn't know how the ice crush worked, you're going to want to know. <laughs> this stuff is really, truly space age technology. I love it. Right? 
Yes, I mean, that's the beautiful thing is that all these different types of technology, be it infotainment, safety, all the powertrain tech, it is packaged in a way that that should be easy to understand and easy to use. And it makes a vehicle like this, which is a small crossover, very capable and and pretty feature-laden for the price. Nice. 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Sport. Uh, We'll get some more information about this on the other side. Uh, and what they cost and what you can expect to spend if you want to get all the way up to the really, really loaded version, the Crosstrack Wilderness. Stay with us. It is The Drive. Be right back. We've got bets you're on the move. Afternoons fade into afternoon. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift. The full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up with the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And George Kennedy joining us again. He is the vice president of the New England Motor Press Association. He contributes to U.S. News and World Report, Car Gurus, Forbes, Wheels, and right here on The Drive. And today he's talking about one of our sponsors' vehicles, which is the Subaru Crosstrek. Uh, The uh, trim package is the mid-tier trim package, the Sport. The uh, high-end part of it is the... uh, Wilderness package. And George, what does the Subaru Crosstrek Sport cost? So for a little context, the, the Crosstrek starts at $25,000. That's for the nice. base trim. And then you've got the premium, which comes in at 26000 The Sport trim starts at $29,000. And with that, you get the upgraded engine. You get, uh, you know, heated seats, you get leather wrapped steering wheel, you get the all weather package. So, you know, yeah, so heated front seats and some other things. And then sort of breaking the lineup out even further, there's a limited trim, which kind of puts a, a, feet, a focus on creature comforts, 10-way power adjustable uh, seats, mm. uh, moonroof, Harman Kardon premium stereo. That starts oh, at 30, yeah. 30 and change, I think $30,895. The wilderness, which is the top of the lineup, you know, the added ground clearance, the beefier tires, the beefier bodywork, that starts at just under $32,000. So the sport really is the middle of the lineup. And it's for my money, I think it's a great value. Uh, what we didn't talk about either, comes in an awesome color. It's like this army green hmm. with like yellow, like off yellow marigold accents nice. and uh, black roof rails. It's a really great looking car. You know what's interesting here is that I, I thought you were going to get up into the 40s because typically with a lot of these vehicles where you can buy a base model at 25 and then there's one, two, three, four more trim levels above that. So there's five different options. You end up getting, you know, to into the 40s or the the high 40s even to get that moonroof and the Harman card and this, the big wheels and tires, fancy paint job and all that. So to go from 25 to 32 for the loaded one, you know, that's, um, I think that's mighty fine of them, truthfully, because they didn't price it out of that buyer's market. 
This buyer is a kind of an extreme lifestyle person, I think, for the most part. For this wilderness package, they want to go out and kind of live life at its fullest like you, with your sailboat and the rest <laughs> and mountain bikes. And, you know, you, you mentioned kayaks and all that. But if somebody just wants a good car, but they live in an area of the country where there's snow and ice and weather, you know, beyond just the sunshine of Southern California, you see more Subarus in the Pacific Northwest where I live than anything else. But to be $25,000 for a car that's still really capable, it's brilliant. And um, so, yeah, I, mean, you know, I, I think it was important to remember is that there are less expensive cars in the segment, but there are major deficiencies with those cars. Right. Like, you know, there are rivals that start for t- closer to 20,000, but they don't even offer all wheel drive as an option. And the powertrains are super underpowered. Yeah, um, anemic. Yeah. You know, so this is, I, you know, I think for the money, you're getting a really well-rounded vehicle. I'll tell you a little story. Many, many moons ago, I'm talking 30-plus years ago, I owned a wrecking yard. And it was really funny to find when, when we had a vehicle that was in the wrecking yard, what, a car that had been totaled or whatever, and it was in there to be parted out, the word would spread if it was a Subaru because they wanted those engines because they used them for all sorts of things. They would do transplants into Volkswagen Westphalia camper vans and all these different things. And even at one point, a guy said, we're putting it in an experimental airplane. And I said, really? He goes, they're such reliable engines. So this is how I get to learn about things was from the ground, the wrecking yard ground up in my career. You know, it's funny in in the used car marketplace. I know Carl's going to talk about uh, the fastest. There's a study coming out from iccars.com about the fastest. What did he say here? Fastest selling new and used cars the slowest and fastest. But what I think there needs to be a study and it needs to happen relatively soon. I'll talk to Carl or you or somebody about this is that I'm seeing more cars and vehicles and trucks, not just cars, because even big, heavy trucks that are getting, you know, 10 miles to the gallon with 300,000 miles on it. There was the 200,000 mile club, you know, now we're into the right. 300,000. I've actually seen on the speedometer, 500,000 miles on a Honda one time, I was like, 500,000. But it used to be that to get that kind of miles, it was like there was a guy one time that had, remember the Volvo P1800 that had a yeah. million or something miles on it? So rare, but it's not rare anymore. The, and, and Subaru is one of these cars that you can get 300,000 miles out of. Not that I want to live in a car like that much, you know. <laughs> I like to have some variety. Anyway, gosh. But what do you think about that? I mean, as far as 300,000 miles, that's kind of scary to me. To You know, what else I mean, is it going to need sooner or later? Some of, these, some of these automakers, I mean, you know, whether it's Subaru or Honda or Toyota, they make extremely reliable cars. And I've always said maintain service intervals right? Because you take care of the, take care of the tools and they take care of you. Right. So if you, if you keep your car well-maintained, don't put off things like oil changes, stuff like that, they will last a long time. You're investing in their long-term longevity. I mean, a car is a depreciating asset. And if you don't take care of it, it's going to depreciate faster. Either A, you're not going to be able to sell it for much as much if, if it's not running well, or B, you're going to need a new one sooner. And the last bit of advice on any of these cars, I don't care what brand, make, or model, keep a file on what you've done to it. Oil changes, all these kind of things. When you go to sell it and somebody sees that you cared enough to do this, it adds value. 
George Kennedy, thank you, sir. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Subaru for letting George drive the 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Sport. Stay with us. Attention business owners, 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. It's worked for a quarter million businesses worldwide. It'll work for you. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, I have Carl Brower here now, automotive industry analyst. He writes for Forbes Autos. He's a contributor there. He is a uh, juror and board member of the North American Car Truck and SUV of the Year. Executive analyst at iccars.com amongst his... And then he's got a day job, you know, his other stuff he does, which we don't really know what that is. I think he's a grocery bagger at uh, Safeway, or is it Vaughn's, Southern California? Ralph, dude. Ralph. Ah, well, it depends on where you live. <laughs> um, so um, I noticed that you, uh, I have cameras on you. I saw you pick up a National Enquirer and read the article about the new Mustang GTD. And... What did the National Enquirer have to say? Because inquiring minds want to know, Carl. <laughs> First, I couldn't believe Ford was making a diesel Mustang. I, I know, GTD. You know? Yeah, wow, it's what is just, that? Just cool. You know, that's a different way to go with the car. But, uh, oh, that's too bizarre. You know, I'm, I'm joking, of course. Yes, of we course, all know it's not course. a diesel. It just sounds like it's a diesel with that kind of a name. But yeah, um, yeah this is their, you never heard this term before, Alan, so get ready. Race car for the street. Whoa, man! What? I've never heard the concept. Well, how did they come up with that? Whoa, that's totally blazing, <laughs> cutting edge. So no, this is their car that's heavily based on the Mustang that's going to be racing at Le Mans coming up, and it's for the street. I believe it's going to be a official model year twenty five. It will start delivery in late twenty four. It's got a pretty powerful eight hundred horsepower engine. Now remember the. Shelby GT500, you might even have some familiarity with that particular car, Alan. Oh, yeah. That one made 760 horsepower. So 800, when you hear it, it initially sounds like, oh, my gosh. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's 40 more than the top Mustang was already making. Yes, but but there's also a little bit of difference here with this vehicle, right? Well, let's hope, because truthfully, my problem with the GT500, having driven it and seen other people drive it and do things with it, is too heavy, weighs too much. And I got to tell you, Alan, as I get older, I get more and more picky, snooty, elitist, whatever word you want to use that's supposed to be a bad word. <laughs> At and least I you admit embrace. it. <laughs> and I happily embrace and shout it to the heavens. Yes, I'm an elitist, snooty, picky, old, cane pancreas, 
person. I'll use person. There was another word I almost used. Um, And as part of that, I have no desire to go around corners in cars that weigh more than 3,500 pounds, not in a fast way, right? I mean, sure, I'll sit in a big luxury, you know, Cadillac Escalade and be driven down the freeway, fine. You put me on a road course and you expect me to pull lap times as fast as I can and go left, right, brake and accelerate. I don't want to do that with cars that weigh more than 3,500 pounds. That's my weight limit. Well, in today's world, carbon fiber tubs and carbon fiber this and carbon, there's no reason for a car to weigh more than 3,500 pounds. I've got a 2012, that would be um, 11 year old car now, Alan, sitting below me as I talk to you right now in my garage, a 2012 Porsche 911 Turbo S. It's got heated seats. It's got full climate control. It's got all wheel drive. It's got two turbos. It does zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. It's a fat cat luxury car that will blow away most other cars on the street, and it weighs right at 3,500 pounds. So why does a track car that's dedicated for track experiences supposedly weigh more than that? Anytime, anytime. So wait a minute. So you you took a long way around giving us the weight of this new Mustang GTD. How much? And you know why? Because Ford won't talk about the weight of the GTD. Uh They'll talk about the advanced suspension components, which are going to add weight. They'll talk about the active arrow, which is going to add weight. They'll talk about all the uh, the multiple cooling systems to keep the engine cool, which are going to add weight. <laughs> and then they'll say it's got carbon fiber body panels like the hood and the doors and the, and the uh, fenders. It does not have a carbon fiber tub. It does not have a carbon fiber chassis. It's still the 2015 chassis that's been around for you know almost 10 years now, and that's still not made of carbon fiber. So adding... Those elements I just said, active arrow and an advanced suspension system and all these other things to make it go fast and are not going to be offset by carbon fiber hood fenders and doors. That's okay, not going to okay. offset what the weight of those Hold on. things are. L- for the listener that would not have any clue what you were saying when you say active arrow, aerodynamics. So when these cars have the arrow package or the active arrow, it has fins I, I guess you're saying that actually move for the aerodynamics package the faster you go the more that the dare i say rear wing must move or something or what when you say active arrow give us I a think little the rear wing and yeah. i think also there's a front splitter that may have you know some kind of shocks or or uh, things attached to it that moves around wow. based on speed and bedding and all that wow. it's cool active arrow is very cool trust me my ford gt had it you know yeah, the rear yeah. wing would uh, break you know it would go vertical when you're trying to slow down active arrow is very cool yeah. active arrow weighs a lot and the suspension system yeah. on my ford gt the reason my ford gt didn't start with a two on its curb weight was because it had this really advanced dual stage you know like dual suspension system that let it drop almost two inches when you put it in uh, track mode and was really advanced cool. and really kind of heavy. Yeah, it made really it weigh, cool, added 200 pounds. Wow, that's a lot. That's a whole person. Yes, it added 200 pounds for the advanced suspension. That car could have been a 2,900-pound car, but wow. the suspension pushed it into the 3,100-pound oh, range. Which is still So light. that's going to be on the on the GTD, and the Active Air is going to be on the GTD. And unlike the Ford GT, it's not going to be a carbon fiber body and tub it's still going to be the standard you, Mustang. you haven't even box. mentioned that it's 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 configuration the powertrain configuration is kind of a mid-engine is that what they're calling it no it's not a mid-engine the, the it's it's a front engine car it's got a rear transaction that's what so it, it is that's that. what it is because I, I didn't see it you got to go see it i knew there was something yeah. there okay it's, it's gotcha 50 50 weight that's what it was okay. the front okay. rear axles which is cool that adds to the to the handling but again, 
I, I want to know, like, this is, this was my opinion when I saw the car. All I need is a Ford person right now today to come to me and say, when it's full of fluids and at least half a tank of gas, it still weighs less than 3,500 pounds. And I would be somewhat interested in it. I probably still wouldn't really want to buy one because we haven't mentioned the price yet, Alan. Did you know what the price is? Well, listen, when I saw the price, I immediately went, okay, ho-hum, no big deal. Right, because yeah. I'm, I it's not, it's outside of my ability and many, many people's ability to afford. Go ahead, tell the price. Three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> for a Ford Mustang. Three hundred thousand, and that's the starting price. You want the active arrow that's on top of it. You want all the bells and whistles, and then there's a big deal, you know, yeah, 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 paint yeah. a sample customization program oh, you can boy. do that'll all add. So this all right. be last question. To four. Oh yeah, there you go. Last question. Why do they call it the GT? The Mustang GTD is in dog. Why? It's not a diesel. Why? What's up? Whenever you hear a weak name for a car, be rest assured. <laughs> There was no other option. Oh, no. Car companies have snapped up all the cool names. Oh, there's, not, no. nothing, there's not many left. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, hold, hold tight. Uh, Carl Brower here. Evidently not impressed. Huh. We'll take a break. I'll be right back. It's, uh, oh, what the heck is the name of this show? The Drive. That's right. We'll be right back. Your place. Can I just have one more morning dance with you? I'm this message comes to you from our sponsor, Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182-horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. See what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in a rugged Crosstrek Wilderness. Adventure on the Edge. Well, uh, Carl forgot to mention that he's already done a story that's out at uh, Forbes Autos. He's a contributor there. Look for the GTD Mustang GTD. If you want to know more information, a $300,000 street legal race car. We're not supposed to say that, but uh, that's kind of the story with it. Uh, and when Carl gets behind the wheel, because they won't let me behind the wheel, I'm a loose nut behind the wheel. But when Carl or somebody gets behind the wheel, we'll talk more about that particular car. Carl, iccars.com is another one of your um, people you work with. You're an executive analyst there. And um, so what is more important than a $300,000 Mustang is the, well, stuff like this, the newest study from iccars.com. Slowest and fastest selling cars, new and used, used from iccars.com. So what what do you got there? Because you know what? The market is really gummed up. It's like there's a hairball in the drain of the shower of the auto industry. It's just gummed up. (laughs) That's a good, I like that. That's a pretty good metaphor. Um, Yeah, you know, it, it got gummed up by plants closing and not having enough computer chips throughout COVID, which yeah. restricted new cars production, which meant everyone had to either pay too much for the few new cars that existed, or many of them ran to the used car market. They're like, I'm not paying that much for a new car. And they went to the used car market. Right. That drove the used car prices up. And then people started saying, I'm not paying that much for a used car. And uh, yeah, so we're finally past the production issue, but we spent almost three years in that issue. So it's going to take years for us to get back to normal. And all those 2020, 2021 and 2022 model year new cars that were produced at a limited constricted level, those are now used cars. And so if you figure the one to five year old 
used car market is kind of the most primary used car era or age that people buy in. There's three of those five years that are not very uh, easily found. You know, right. you want to go buy a two, three-year-old car right now, you're buying right in the middle of the restricted new car production back then that means there's not many out there. All right. So, so give all me, that you, said, that's yes. the world we live in. Right. But all, all that said, used cars sell an average of 49 days, and that's 6.1% faster than a year ago. So they're actually selling a little quicker than they did a year ago. New cars are selling 25.7% slower than they did a year ago. <laughs> and this, to me, says that the average consumer is still looking for value, and they're not finding it in the price of new cars. By the way, the average new car is still priced 7 8% above MSRP. Wow. That's what the average asking price is on a new car. Mm. So people are looking at new car prices and still saying, screw that, and they're going to the used market. And so used cars are selling faster than a year ago, and new cars are selling slower. And as you know, Alan, eventually when new car sales, if they keep slowing, bail prices will have to come down because dealers will right. start to realize, uh, guy, I guess we can't just ask over MSRP anymore. We have to like actually play ball with uh, value-seeking consumers to get them on the lot. And well, and here's something I saw, that there are some dealers that still have brand-new 2022 models, and we're about yep. to hit the 24-year model. So yep. there's going to be new, brand-new 22s on the market and brand-new 23s on the market because the 24s, I'm thinking the 24s are about here. You know, they are, they're starting oh, yeah, to arrive yeah, at dealerships. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah. And you can keep sitting on that car if you're a dealer and thinking that you're going to get your over MSRP that you were so spoiled right. on after a couple of years of COVID, and but at some point you won't. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's the general situation. Now, um, the actual cars that are selling slow and fast, which we looked at across the uh, country was the fastest selling used car is the Honda HRV, which, you know, is like their, uh, their smallest SUV. So that's where you can pay the lease and that costs right at 25, 24, 25. So that's where you can get a used car at not too bad of a price. Okay. And it's an HRV. The slowest selling used car is the Tesla model S <laughs> at an average price of 65,000. So Tesla's are oh. model S is the slowest and the oh HRV God. is the fastest on the, uh, on the used side. And then on the new side, the fastest selling ironically is the model Y. So the Tesla Model Y, their small SUV, which is the hottest segment in the market right now, that's actually the quickest. Selling. So, so one of their cars is the slowest and one is the fastest, which is funny on the new between new and used. Right. Well, that, you know what? It's <laughs> it's really weird to hear that, that they can be the fastest and selling slowest at the same time, which tells you, I guess, in my opinion, it tells me that the market is is shifting that people aren't wanting yeah. the more super expensive cars and things like that, like the Model S, very expensive, as you said, sixty-five yeah. for a used Model S. So people are, and and the the fastest selling used cars, the Honda HRV, again, smaller, more economical, more kind of uh, penny pinching minded, you might say. So right. I, that's because of our economy right now, of course. Yeah, oh. and actually, I'm sorry, it was the uh, the fastest selling used ev is the model y it's not that but the fastest selling used car ah. is the hrv the okay. fastest selling new car is the toyota grand highlander okay. uh, hybrid which is brand new i just drove that uh at the press launch like two months ago three nice. months ago so that thing's out and then the the regular highlander is also one of the fastest selling and so is the land rover range rover believe it or not and these are all really these are all relatively expensive cars but see here's so here's the difference wow Alan. that just blew yeah, my whole out the window and they're looking for value right 
and people buying new and, and the only people buying new are the people who aren't looking for value. They just want their car. So they're out there buying the average Range Rover price selling in 10.4 days, one of the fastest selling cars, $149,000 is the average price. And those two Highlanders are selling the hybrid's 56 and the non-hybrid is 53. So basically, and then the Yukon's number four at 82,000. Okay, hold on. So basically, on. if you've got plenty of money, you're out there buying your car you want. You don't care how expensive it is. If you don't have plenty <laughs> well, of money, which is most people, they're buying used cars and trying to get the best deal possible. All right, we're going to take a break. You can find this study at iccars.com because it confused the living hell out of me. <laughs> we'll take a break. Don't go anywhere. But you know what? When you have all the facts and figures in front of you, it's a lot easier. iccars.com, fastest and slowest selling cars. New and used. We'll be right back. Attention business owners. 3,076 businesses are shutting their doors every single day. There are three things holding you back from doubling your sales in the next 12 months. They are number one, the great resignation. 47 million Americans voluntarily left their job last year. Your staff are harder to find than ever before. Number two, the clutter factor. 3.8 billion social media pages are competing for the attention of your prospects. No wonder they aren't listening to your marketing efforts. Number three, the death of the salesman. 97% of your prospects feel salespeople are too pushy today. Hello, I'm Amanda Holmes. I've just released an updated version of my father's cult classic book, The Ultimate Sales Machine. If you'd like to double your sales in the next 12 months, download a free chapter of the book at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Our clients call it the chapter that changes lives. Get your proven roadmap to doubling sales at ultimatesalesmachine.com forward slash book. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, this show is brought to you in part by Subaru. Discover the all-new 2024 Subaru Crosstrek Wilderness. With exclusive technology and safety features, it's packed with upgrades to its off-road capability. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, 9.3 inches of ground clearance, 182-horsepower Subaru Boxer engine, and improved gearing to climb the toughest trails. Uh, see what's beyond the far boundaries of the map in the rugged wilderness cross trek. We'll be right back. Oh, t- we're here. Carl's here. <laughs> we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Oh, here he is. Carl, how you doing, buddy? We're doing good, but um, I think both of us are still a little nervous. We've got uh, cars in the works that we're kind of excited to get, and we're hoping they get built because... Um, they require humans still. We aren't automated yet. We still need humans to build cars for us, all of us. And uh, Oh, you know what's funny, though? Any... Yeah. Because yeah. what you're talking about, you know, the strike, that the UAW strike that could possibly happen here pretty quick. United yep. Auto Workers. I saw a video this morning, and you were saying we're not all robots, but they it was a, um, a camera inside the bathroom. Now, here's the funny part. Why is there a camera inside the restroom? But anyway, there was a camera inside the bathroom, and here comes a robot. Of course, I guess they were just showing what it could do. The robot opens the door. It was a four-wheeled, it looked like a cart that had kind of a 
a swan's head on it. And that swan's head with its beak or its hand could open the door and pull the door open and then go sideways in through the door and twist and turn and get in there. And then it cleaned the toilet. It pulls a little vacuum out of its magic bag of tricks and it vacuums the floor and it wipes down the toilet, wipes down the sink and then does all this stuff and then backs out and goes back through the door. And I actually said one more job just taken away by a robot. So... This is probably a pr- something that the people at the UAW ought to start thinking about. Robots could take their jobs away. Maybe they ought to just get along a little bit better. But what is the story with well, that? Why is it happening? Ironic that you say that because among the things that the UAW is not happy about is the increasing percentage of electric cars that we're all supposed to be producing and buying over the next 10 years. Mm. Because guess what, Alan? Electric cars have fewer parts, meaning they're easier to assemble, meaning you need fewer humans oh. even before you get automated to build them. So that doesn't make the UAW happy because all indications and suggestions would point to the fact that there won't be as many needed humans in the manufacturing plants when we go to electric cars. That's without even thinking about automation, which is another element that could further do that, what what you're talking about. But the other big thing that's really, you know, kind of interesting and and unfortunate, depending on how you want to look at it, is the last time they had a a contract negotiation was right in the middle of the recession where two of the three U.S. automakers almost went bankrupt and had to use the government's help to get to keep from going bankrupt. Right. And it was right at that point they were able to negotiate the last contract, which was essentially, you know, please, please help us. You know, you got to be kind to us. And they negotiated fairly aggressive pay, meaning not very high pay and cut benefits for UAW. Well, what is the last 10 years by and large seen for all, all automakers, including the domestic automakers, Alan? Mm. Oh R- record profits, record sales, right? They yeah, are right, rolling right, right, in right, the right. dough. Okay. Okay. So after they negotiated a fairly aggressive in a non-paying way, contract with the UAW, they, with over the following 10 years, rolled in the dough. And guess what the UAW's attitude is? Give us money. You've been rolling in dough while you kept us from experiencing as much money as we could have had or should have had while you've been taking all the profits home, all the execs of the automakers. And what's fascinating is now we're hitting a period where I think, you know, everything cycles. Now we're at a point where I'm not confident of the auto industry, particularly the people putting all their eggs in the electric car basket. I'm not sure what's going to happen to those automakers over the next five years. So just when we're getting to where there's economic contraction going on, there's inflation, there's interest rates, there's all these things that could lead to reduced car sales over the next five plus years. The UAW is saying, give us money and don't give us any uh, whiny stories. Don't give us any sob stories about how you can't pay us too much because now you're worried about the future. Give us money. So they want big money. They kind of have a reason to want big money based on the last 10 years of uh, automotive profits. And it's right when I think the next 10 years of automotive profits could be quite challenging. So oh, it's an interesting boy. confluence of timing. Right. So when is this? I mean, is there any kind of scheduled timing if they don't get some sort of a deal? What's the story? September with it? 14th is when Ooh. the, that would be the day that everyone would walk off the line if, if they strike. If they don't come up with oh, a contract geez. everyone agrees on before the 14th of September, that, as you know, is, you know, not very far away. <laughs> and when, when you look at the difference between what the UAW wants and what the automakers are offering, there's no way, I don't see it being bridged by any chance. So to me, it's not if there's going to be a strike, it's how long will the strike that's going to happen is going to last. Good Lord. And uh, yeah, it's going to happen on the 14th, which uh, you and me. for people who are waiting yeah, for Dodge Demon 170 to get built, it's a little, little disconcerting. We may get stuck right in the middle of that. got it! All right, Carl. ICcars.com is where you can find that study about fastest selling used and new cars. ICcars.com. Carl Brower, thank you, brother. Good talking to you. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm glad the show is over right here. I can now go and drown my sorrows somewhere. Maybe alcohol. No, not alcohol.
food. Food, yes, food. Give me food. Never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger, and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. 